Good morning, Urban Village Church. My name is Erin. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers. And I serve regularly as the Director of Discipleship for Urban Village Church, all four sites stretching across the city of Chicago. And you may notice that our site pastor, Christian Kuhn, who's also the founder of Urban Village Church, is not here this morning. But a good news and good word will still be proclaimed. Uh, but I'm going to do it seated, which is my style, because I like to use my hands a lot. Will you pray with me? God who snatches us up and takes us away into wonder and awe. We take this time to reflect on you and on your word and on what you are calling us to do and to be for others. Because we have found in you, God, something that we know the world needs. And so we pray as we meditate over this scripture that you continue to inspire us and challenge us and enlighten us. We offer this time and our hearts to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So the Ethiopian eunuch left Jerusalem, and he was grief-stricken and ashamed. You see, he went with the intention that he was going to worship God in the most holy place, the temple, the place where God's spirit dwelled, the place where those could get the closest to God's beauty and close to the wonder of the creator. But in those times, the bustling city of Jerusalem and the crowded space of the temple were highly segregated by gender. And the Ethiopian eunuch represented the transgressors of gender, the gender and sexually nonconforming in their society standards, those who were not good or right in their gender identity or sexual expression. And so it remains unclear whether eunuchs were gay folks who were assigned and entrusted in serving people with authority, or if eunuchs were born as boys or, and identified as too feminine or too sensitive or liked playing dress-up with their mother's scarves. But as children, the society decided to castrate them, preventing them from growing into maturity, using them and their bodies as slaves to the rich elite. Historians are unclear whether it's that people were gay and forced into this position, or their bodies were then forced into this position. Whatever the case, what, how we read this story is important. Eunuchs were, were supposed to represent the sexual and gender minorities of the day, the queer, the gender nonconforming, the transgender, and the intersexed. While we don't know, and nor do we need to know the particulars of the Ethiopian eunuch's body, because his body is his own, and that is his, his uh, particular body parts are not what we need to know to know more about him, we know that his presence was not welcomed in the temple. He, would be, he could not be easily segregated into male or female identifying folks, and so he could not make his way into worship. So he was denied participation the one who presents as strange and wild and fire and wind, the God who is weird, this guy could not worship. Despite once again that his black, queer body prevented him from participation in yet another thing, this time it was access to the God who gives hope to the hopeless. Because he couldn't get in, he decided to purchase a copy of the scroll and, scroll and read the words of God 
the God, the one who gives sight to the blind and sets the captives free. So while he was reading, because it should be noted that this queer black person was well-educated in, in his day and was probably wealthy since he served a queen of Ethiopia. While he was reading in this rumbling down the dusty road in his chariot, on this small road that was not easily traveled to Gaza, the eunuch bounced along and tried to read the words of the God who gives sight to the blind. And just as he was getting a little chariot sick from reading and writing, a weirdo, a real weirdo, this creep starts to run alongside him with dust blowing in his face. Philip, this creep running alongside, asks this super creepy question that kind of sounds like he's hitting on the eunuch and says, hey, what you reading? <laughs> Where does this stranger come from? Seemingly out of nowhere. And the eunuch, not wanting to seem rude, well, he invites this dusty, panting stranger into the chariot and Philip catches his breath and the two engage in a dialogue. And it kind of seems to me like Philip mansplains the passage out of Isaiah to the eunuch and that the eunuch, this probably multilingual, literate black person, queer black person, engages in dialogue over the text with this stranger. And he's changed. Philip was led by the Holy Spirit. He was really good at his job at telling the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he was commanded to wander on this wild, wild, wild road with a dusty path. No one around. He sees the eunuch, this foreigner, this sexual variant, and he says, oh, oh, yes. He says, oh, yes. Those often denied access to community or to God by tradition or by ignorance or by hate. Oh, yes. Those are who the kingdom of God is for, Philip says. And so Philip doesn't walk slowly or nonchalantly to catch up with the unit's chariot. Instead, propelled by the Holy Spirit and maybe these ancient Near Eastern Nike sandals he had, he flew, sprints towards the eunuch. Instead of leading with the popular and rarely successful line, can I tell you about my best friend, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Instead... Philip decides to engage in dialogue, something without an end in mind. He tells his new discourse partner, not only are you reading this passage in Isaiah that is really interesting about shame and death and destruction, did you also know that in Isaiah 56, it says, the eunuch who keeps my Sabbaths, who chooses what pleases me and holds fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls, a memorial and a name. Better than sons and daughters, I will give the eunuchs an everlasting name that will endure forever. He doesn't have a name in our passage, but the eunuch has an everlasting name in our hearts. The kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is here and now. The kingdom of God is for you, Philip says. It's a party and God wants you there. Philip tells the eunuch, we're building this new community, and it's really weird, filled with a lot of sweaty people, a lot like myself. It's a new community fashioned after what God wants for this world. You were denied access to God in the past, and I'm here to tell you that was wrong. I'm here to tell you that God loves you. God is here to bind up the brokenhearted and say, 
No longer will you be objectified or sexualized or scandalized by your body, by your presentation, or by who you love. Because God says you're beautiful. God says we made you in our own image. We, the gender variant God, made you the gender variant person in our image. You are beautiful and you belong. Philip, then continually propelled by the Holy Spirit and maybe still sweating from his sacred run down the dusty path, he knows the pain faith communities have caused in the past. He knows the risk is great to look like a fool, to tell someone a message of hope when hate fills the world, but Philip risks it. He talks and he listens and he says, our community needs you. You have something to teach us about the love and joy of God. You, in all of who you are, are welcome to be with us. Whether you dance in the middle with a bunch of people looking on while we worship, whether you sing too loudly and off key, whether you forget to reply to your emails and feel ashamed about them, whether you forgot it was Mother Day and merely sent a text, you are welcome here. That's right. And the eunuch, surprised by this perspiring Philip with a prophetic message of church parody, decides he's going to test him, test the man's welcome. And he says, hey, there's some water over there. What prevents me from joining now? And I am not like Philip. I love schedules and I love sticking to lists. But Philip doesn't seem to give a darn about schedules or appointments or who's in or who's out. And so he stops everything and Philip says, heaven yeah, let's do this right now. Because this new faith community following this way of Jesus uses baptism as a form of welcome. Baptism symbolizes first one's commitment to live a life following Jesus's radical lifestyle of welcome and lavish love. But baptism Maybe you don't remember, I will remind you. Baptism is also a symbol communicated as a commitment to the individual on behalf of the community to say, we're gonna do this with you. We'll stay in relationship with you. We'll keep calling, keep texting, keep picking you up for movie nights. We'll keep partying and doing life together because you are with us and we are with you and God is with us here now. And so the eunuch is baptized. This Queer, black, literate, really smart, stranger, gender variant. He is the first non-Jewish convert to follow the God who says, death. And I have to tell you, we don't know the end of the eunuch's story. But we do know that Ethiopia goes on to be a large, magnanimous part of Christian history. Perhaps he is its founder, this queer black person who then goes off rejoicing and sharing God's love with others, his country men and country women and country gender nonconforming siblings, telling them, let me tell you about the God who sees all parts of your identity, the shameful parts and the proud parts of who you are and says, I love you. You're welcome here. You're celebrated for who you are here. So in June, we're going to do one of my favorite things we do. 
as Urban Village Church. We march every year in the Pride Parade. We do this not because it's one heaven of a party, but because the spirit as a community compels us to do so. And it's one of the best times to be out on the streets and say the messages of hate and rejection and forcing you into silence and into conformity, those are wrong. And God is proud of you. And we do that with our bodies and with our signs and with our rollerblades and with our dogs and with our kids and our strollers. And it's so important we do this because the messages of hate are so loud and the rhetoric of shame is so pervasive and the threat of life when you're dancing with your bae in the queer club on Latin night, the threat of life is real. And so we have to be louder and we have to love harder and we have to run and sweat and rollerblade and sashay this way and tell others you are loved and you are welcome here and you are created in the beautiful image of our God who is beautiful. So I hope you'll join us. July 24th, Pastor Christian always comes in a really interesting ensemble. June 24th. You'll pay attention. I like it. We will gather to bless ourselves and then gather with those across Urban Village, across all the city streets. We will chant and we will wave. And not only will we say happy pride, we will say God loves you and you are welcome here. You are important and you are needed here. We'll travel together. We'll march and run and sweat and shout for joy because the world needs to hear that God has good news for the poor, that our God releases the prisoners and restores sight to the blind and liberates the oppressed and says to them after they are liberated, you are highly favored and you are dearly loved. But Pride Parade is not the only time we have to do this. Pride Parade is not the only opportunity that we get to share God's real and inclusive and radical love with the rest of the world. It's not a one-day event of good news sharing. No, we are to be like Philip, and we are to be ready to listen to the Spirit's call to move and run and dialogue and share, because the reality is that the message of hate is anti-queer and anti-black are really pervasive and really loud, and we need to be the people proclaiming the good news that God is, one, is not just one party full parade day, but that we need to be sharing the radical love and inclusive welcome of God because lives depend on it. That's just the reality. Because hope doesn't share itself, but she needs a messenger to share her message. Because we know and believe that God is not finished with this world, that despite what you've heard in the past, people need to know God is proud of them, that God loves them, that God wants you, you who you are, to be your whole self, all of your mixed up, intermixing identities. God loves you and who you are, and because you understand that love, you are called to share it. We need to be ready to listen for the Spirit, because let me just tell you, the Spirit blows loudly and mightily here in the Windy City. We need to go out maybe as a large crowd to say God loves you, but also in our one-on-one -on -one individual relationships to say, you know what, the state of the union is in shambles. 
And patriarchy is a son of a bench. And mental illness is real. And despite all evidence to the contrary, our God of creation and love is in control. Our God who creates all in their image sees fatness. And God says, mm, fatness in that crop top, that is beautiful. Our God sees a male identified person in four inch black heels and says, you slay, honey. Yes. Our God sees an insecure youth and says, you are wonderfully made. Like Philip, we are called to be people ready to move and speak and live the love of God, ready to welcome and to baptize. Because what is baptism? I'll tell you, it is simply getting our lives mixed up together with one another. Because by doing so, we proclaim God Almighty is good. God's love is real. And when we do so, we then send forth others to move and speak and live the love of God that they have found. Will you pray with me? Mighty wind blowing God in whom we know the power of forgiveness and acceptance. You stand with us in the shadows of our time and you call us on the wind to acknowledge the sorrows and the trials of this life. And you call us to proclaim truth that you are not done. Grant us courage to share the knowledge that you are a God of resurrection. Give us words to say and feet to move and arms to hug others into welcome and into the fullness of life found in you. Grant us fearlessness, God, to share the freedom of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We are yours. Amen.